Welcome to Inside Muskegon, the podcast featuring Jason Paisecki. Now, Inside Muskegon. Welcome to Inside Muskegon. This is episode number 15. I'm Jason Paisecki. The Inside Muskegon podcast is a weekly show featuring interviews with community leaders and comments from everyday people from Muskegon, Michigan. The goal of the podcast is to engage Muskegonites in a dialogue about the issues that affect our everyday lives. This week's show features an interview with Scott Speck, a commentary on the interview, listener feedback, and information on contacting Inside Muskegon. Plus, we will reveal the winner of the first Inside Muskegon listener feedback prize. As I said, our interview this week is with Scott Speck, the music director at the West Shore Symphony Orchestra. I'm here with Scott Speck, the music director at the West Shore Symphony Orchestra. Thank you for taking the time out with Inside Muskegon today. Good morning, Jason. Thanks for having me. Why don't we start out about talking a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, well, I've been here for about four years as music director. This is my fourth year. Um, although the first year, we still had a whole bunch of guest conductors. So I had the pleasure of watching these wonderful conductors, most of them American, uh, come and work with this orchestra. And then really got to, uh, to take it over and, uh, and, and sort of initiate uh, my own ideas about programming and my own ideas about building the orchestra about three years ago. But um, I'm from Boston originally. Um, went to high school there, public high school. We had an excellent public school. So I, uh, I really appreciate the schools in Michigan. It's really, um, it's really helped me uh, you know, to understand one of the reasons why the people in our audience seem to be so well-educated, so with it, and so caring about the arts. I think a lot of it has to do with the arts education here in Michigan. Um, from my public high school, I went to Yale, and I uh, majored in music, um, although at that time I was still a little bit undecided. So um, I studied everything under the sun from you know, history to geology to political science, economics, Russian, and, and of course, lots and lots of music classes. Um, after that, I went to Germany for two years. I had the chance to uh, work in, to study in Berlin on a Fulbright scholarship. And uh, I was studying conducting, among other things, and also got to join the chorus of the Berlin Philharmonic Orchestra. And for me, this was a life-changing event because um, I was standing right behind what I still consider to be the very best orchestra in the world. Um, you know, we're trying to create that in Muskegon, but at, at, at that time, anyway, the best orchestra in the world was, was in Berlin. Um, and working with a procession of the world's greatest guest conductors. One week after the next, we would have an incredible world-famous conductor work with us. Um, and I, I can't tell you what kind of effect that had on me, both on learning how to conduct and also on learning the kind of sound that I like to get out of an orchestra. And that sound of the Berlin Philharmonic is still with me all those years later. Um, from there, I went back to Boston and uh, did a little bit of, of extra sort of individual music study and piano and studying cello and solfege and score reading and composition and conducting. And then went and got my master's degree with a wonderful teacher named Daniel Lewis out at University of Southern California. And from that point on, I've been uh, working regularly, professionally as a conductor. Um, I had a wonderful opportunity to work in Honolulu with the Honolulu Symphony. Uh, I was their assistant conductor and then their associate conductor and finally their music advisor and conductor. Um, also worked on the staff of the Los Angeles Opera 
and uh, the Savannah Symphony and the Alabama Symphony before becoming music director of the Mobile Symphony Orchestra. Um, and I'm still music director there, and I go back and forth between here and Mobile, um, working with, with two orchestras that I love very much. And you're also an author. <laughs> That's right. Um, I've worked on three books, um, all of them in the famous Dummies series, you know, those yellow books that you see everywhere. I had the opportunity to work with a very good friend of mine, David Pogue, um, who had already written one of the Dummies books, um, actually a few, um, in the computer series. In fact, I think he wrote the second one ever, Max for Dummies. And we got to work together on classical music for Dummies and opera for Dummies. And later, after I had uh, done some work in the ballet field. I don't think I mentioned that I worked for a few years with the San Francisco Ballet. Um, made very good friends with um, one of their principal dancers, Evelyn Cisneros. And the two of us worked together on Ballet for Dummies. I wrote mostly from the appreciation and musical point of view, and she wrote from the how-to point of view. Um, and so those three books are, are still out there. I'm really happy to say that um, you know that, that I think we're filling a need because a lot of people have written to us and said how much they've gotten out of these books and how much they've enjoyed and even that their kids have gotten all excited about classical music from this book and one kid took his allowance and saved it up for months and months and bought a complete set of Beethoven symphonies. You know, nothing could make me happier than that. What does your position entail as the music director at the West Shore Symphony? Well, I once heard uh, a famous conducting teacher say that as a conductor, you have to be all things to all people. And I really think that that is true to a certain extent as music director. Um, first and foremost, of course, for the orchestra, my job is to help the orchestra to grow technically and musically and to become uh, you know, more and more uh, close to the ideal that I have in my head. Um, secondly, to the patrons, uh, I think it's very important that we present um, to our patrons the music that they want to hear as well as the music that I think is really cool that I think they should hear um, and a healthy combination of the two um, so that we're playing tried and true what they call war horses um, and at the same time we're playing uh, fun things that might have just been written a few years ago that people would have no reason to know about yet um, and so uh, I, you know I see that as a as a wonderful uh, duty and obligation but also pleasure for our patrons um, also, of course, we have uh, people who are in the symphony fold. They're um, on the board of directors or they're donors. Um, and it's very important for me to listen to their concerns as well and to deliver as much as possible um, in a way that, uh, that will make everyone happy. So as I said, all things to all people. Tell us about the West Shore Symphony Orchestra. Where do the uh, musicians come from and uh, just a general makeup of your symphony. Sure. Well, the orchestra itself is over 65 years old. It's quite venerable here in West Michigan, um, and I'm very proud to be a part of it. Um, it means a lot to me to have been chosen to be music director of this wonderful organization. Um, the orchestra is made up of musicians who are local and regional. So we have Quite a few musicians who are in the Muskegon area, live in the Muskegon area. We have some who come from farther afield, Holland, Grand Rapids area, Lansing, Kalamazoo. And we occasionally have had people join us from hundreds of miles away. I remember one concert, we needed a harp player, 
And uh, it was a time of year when it's very difficult to get a harp player. That's Christmas time. Harp players are very busy around Christmas time. And we ended up bringing in someone from, uh, I believe it was Illinois, from Urbana, uh, Illinois. So, um, you know, we, we, we've definitely, um, you know, drawn from all over the place. And we are truly lucky to have such a great wealth of musicians in a relatively close area. Um, of course, we have the lake on one side, but otherwise you go in all the other directions and uh, you find very talented musicians. One thing that's been a pleasure to me is that as the orchestra has continued to develop um, and as we've sort of sent the, the word out about the orchestra and word about us has sort of spread far and wide, we have people from far away wanting to come and join the orchestra and audition. And that's great because um, you know these are people who become very familiar to our audience. For example, Martha Walvard, one of the most visible people in the orchestra. She's our concertmaster, uh, our first violinist. And everyone knows Martha. Everyone knows who she is. She comes out and tunes the orchestra. Earlier in the season, when we had a Halloween concert. She dressed as a dinosaur, and uh, everyone, everyone loved that. Um, people may not realize that she lives in Ann Arbor, so that she's actually coming you know, every day for these rehearsals, but comes from that far away to become part of the symphony fold. So I feel strongly that the West Shore Symphony can maintain a very local feel, even as we have the the, the very best musicians um, that we can. You've traveled the world and seen some of the great venues for symphony and ballet. How would you say the Fraunthal stacks up? Travel the world is a is a big statement. I haven't been to the Himalayas. <laughs> There's a whole lot of places. Do they I have symphonies been. there? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think they probably have something somewhere. Um, I I have uh, had a lot of chance to travel throughout the United States, throughout Europe, in Russia, a little bit in Asia, Southeast Asia, China. Um, but I wouldn't say I've been all over the world. Not yet, but I'm still young. Anyway, You're very well traveled. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, Fraunthal is a wonderful venue for music, both. Uh, orally and uh, visually. Um, There's a wonderful sound and and a little secret for the people listening to this. Orally, you can get the best uh, impression by being way up in the balcony, way up in the back of the balcony, the very last row where the orchestra looks like a postage stamp. You know, that's how small it looks from, from up there. But the sound is incredible. And it has something to do with the acoustical properties of an ellipse, like the um, rotunda of the capital. Um, there, there's a certain area there where if you stand, you know, on one end or the other end at the, at the, at each focus of the ellipse, um, you can hear each other perfectly as if you're whispering in each other's ears. Um, same thing with the one focus being, um, the stage of the Fraunthal and another one being way at the back of the balcony. So it's a great sound back there. However, having said that, I know people like to watch too. And, um, you know, of course, if you sit up front, you can see the sweat pouring off of me and some of our musicians as we play this incredibly, incredibly uh, strenuous repertoire. Um, But to answer your question, I think it's a very wonderful place uh, to play. And we are so lucky to have it, especially in such great shape uh, since the since the renovation. We're so lucky to have it here in West Michigan. What is the importance of having a symphony in Muskegon? Um, first of all, I like to think that we are, of course, we're Muskegon's orchestra, but we are West Michigan's orchestra. It's called the West Shore Symphony, and, and that's something I always like to point out. Um, I often hear people say something like, wow, you know, for, 
for a community the size of Muskegon, this is it's amazing to have an orchestra like that. And while that's absolutely true, um, and and I'm thrilled about that. Um, you know, again, I think it's important. It's that this orchestra is is for the community of Muskegon and for all the surrounding communities as well. That's Muskegon is where we happen to perform most of our performances. Although we do some quote run out concerts in the summer, we've got some planned. For example. Um, in Montague and Fremont and uh, in Grand Haven, Spring Lake area. Um, but, you know, and so it's true that we do play mostly in our big concert hall is in Muskegon. Um, having said that, it's very, very important to have an orchestra in any community. As you know, Muskegon is trying, is undergoing its, its downtown redevelopment right now and trying to do it as quickly as possible. Um, there is no great city that does not have a symphony orchestra. Just uh, just cut and dried. That's the way it is throughout the world. Um, and so if Muskegon aspires to to that kind of greatness, then a symphony orchestra is absolutely uh, an essential part of the mix. Also, it's been shown that money that goes into the arts comes back in multiple ways to the community. I think the National Endowment for the Arts has determined that for every $1 that's put into the arts, $12 comes back to the community. And you think about it, with the, in the case of the symphony, you have people coming in from all over the place. We have people, I mentioned that the musicians come from, some of them come from far and wide. The same is true about the audience. And when they come in, they'll have dinner here. They'll spend uh, money at the restaurants. They may stay overnight, spend money in hotels, patronize the local businesses if they stay, and so on. So, um, you know, that's how the $12 comes back to the community for every dollar put in. Also, of course, the musicians themselves, um, when they're here, not only make money but spend money. Um, There was an amazing thing that happened when I was in uh, Alabama working with the Alabama Symphony, um, and that is... Um, the Alabama Symphony had just gone out of business. Um, they had some major financial problems, and for about four years, Birmingham was without uh, an orchestra. And during that time, um, the uh, Chamber of Commerce in Birmingham was trying to get Saks Fifth Avenue to come to Birmingham and open up a store there. And Saks Fifth Avenue had one question for uh, the Chamber of Commerce, do you have a symphony orchestra? And you know, amazing that that would be the question, but Saks Fifth Avenue said, you know, this is very important to us because we know if you have a symphony orchestra that that means that there are people who appreciate the finer things that we have to offer. And the Chamber of Commerce had to sadly say, well, no, we don't have a symphony orchestra. It went out of business. We are hoping to bring it back. And Saks said, well, you tell us when it comes back, and then we'll consider opening up a store in Birmingham. Well, four years later, it did come back. The first thing the Chamber of Commerce did was tell Saks Fifth Avenue, and within a year, they had a store in Birmingham. So it just goes to show that um, it's not only uh, you know it, it's not only a matter of bringing uh, you know money and, and 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 wealth back to the community in which there is uh, a symphony orchestra, but it also has to do with a perception that can affect people all the way across the country. Um, and I just think that, that that's extremely important. Now, I've only talked about the business uh, benefits. Of course, the artistic benefits are even greater, and they're enormous. Um, what we try to do is nothing less than provide for our audience a, an experience almost on a spiritual level, which they cannot have anywhere else. I think someone said 
um, where words leave off, music begins. And I feel very strongly about that, that the music that we're creating with the West Shore Symphony is tapping into an inner emotional vein um, that most people do not have access to in everyday life. And we're able to to open up that world to them. Um, we, we've had people at the end of concerts who seem transformed, who are just elated or transfixed or even in tears from what we've been able to um, express to them in this music. And that, to me, is the greatest pleasure in the world. What types of shows do you have at the West Shore Symphony Orchestra? Well, we have a classic series, which is five performances throughout the year. They're approximately a month or two apart. Um, so, for example, this year we had a, a performance called Blast Off, uh, which opened our season, which included The Planets by Holst. Um, we've just had uh, Beethoven and Blue Jeans, which is uh, our, one of our yearly offerings where we play Beethoven. The orchestra wears blue jeans. I wear blue jeans, and we ask the audience to wear blue jeans, uh, although it's not required, but that's the basic dress code. Um, but the music that we play is every bit as, as moving and even as serious as in other concerts. Um, we end the season this year with um, a show called Red, White, and Rhapsody in Blue, and uh, that includes Copeland's Appalachian Spring and George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. Um, so those are the kinds of performances that we do that are um, in the more uh, classical vein. We're playing music that um, is tried and true, that people know, as well as, as I said before, some, some newer works, but all of which... Um, I guess, as I said, tap into this emotional vein and really, um, and, and really are some among the most eloquent expressions ever put down on paper uh, by human beings. Then we have a pop series. The pop series um, is pure entertainment. The purpose of pops is not to move you, not necessarily to, uh, to, to enlighten or anything. The purpose of pops is pure entertainment. And um, one... Uh, one of the Pops concerts, in fact, this year, all of our Pops concerts are related to holidays. So we've had a Halloween concert, which was a huge success with the whole audience, uh, as well as the whole orchestra in costume, um, a Christmas Pops, and we're going to have a St. Patrick's Day Pops, literally on St. Patrick's Day, bringing in an Irish or Celtic, I should say, uh, band, um, it's it's uh, four musicians that I know very, very well, a group called Mithril, that are going to play and work their Celtic magic along with the orchestra. So those are the main series that we have to offer. Um, another thing that we do is, as I said, the outdoor concerts. We perform in places like Fremont, Montague, and Spring Lake um, at their outdoor venues, um, and we play a, a sort of a combination of light classics and pops, which is always really fun to bring the family to. Um, and then another thing that we have is we're collaborating with Carnegie Hall to present a young person's concert for kids. And we're doing this in April. This is the second year that we've done it, where kids are prepared in their classes by their classroom teachers for months before the concert. And one of the things that they learn is how to play the recorder. Carnegie Hall provides a recorder for each kid to have, and they learn certain pieces of music on this recorder, which... When they come to the concert, they can play along with the West Shore Symphony. So they're actually performing with the West Shore Symphony. We did this last year, and it was the most amazing thing to see the looks on the faces of these kids 
as they had the opportunity to do something they never imagined they would do, which is make music together with a professional orchestra. It was one of the greatest experiences I think I've ever had here. So uh, that's a little um, taste of the scope of the activities of the West Shore Symphony. All right, now on to our final question. You have one minute alone with a person who's never been to the West Shore Symphony Orchestra. Make your pitch to get them to your show. (laughs) Wow, one minute, huh? (laughs) You know, I don't know if people know that classical music is for everyone. There are a lot of people who are turned off to the idea of classical music because they think that it's some kind of elitist pursuit, that it's only for people who have a certain, perhaps, educational level, who have a certain uh, economic level, who have a certain amount of wealth, and, God forbid, people you know, think that it might be for people of only of a certain ethnic background. I can't think of anything farther from the truth. I do have to say that the reason for that is the fault of the symphony orchestra world itself. For the last 50 to 100 years, I think orchestras have really cultivated an elitist point of view that make people feel somehow that they're not adequate to come in. My job, in fact, my mission in life, is to reverse that and to make people realize that classical music was written by people like us who had very strong, powerful, passionate emotions who put this music down in freeze-dried form on a piece of paper in such a way that even hundreds of years later we can reconstitute it in every bit of its excitement, passion, eloquence, and feeling that it had when the composer wrote it down. I also want to point out that, of course, for many, many years what we now consider classical music was pop music. That was the music that people clamored to go to just as people go now to rock concerts. And so I, what I really, really want to say is that the doors are open. The doors of our concert hall or wherever we happen to play are open to you. And we are very, very much aware, if you come, that we are trying to give you an absolutely wonderful, fun, and even transcendent experience. No uh, preconceptions and absolutely nothing required except that you come with open ears and an open mind and hope to see you at the Frauenthal. Thank you very much, Scott. Thank you, Jason.
Muskegon is very fortunate to have Scott Speck as part of our community. I wanted to reiterate something Scott touched on briefly, but was maybe a bit too humble to expand on. Scott has conducted at London's Royal Opera House, the Paris Opera, Moscow's Tchaikovsky Hall, Washington's Kennedy Center, San Francisco's War Memorial Opera House, and the Los Angeles Music Center. He's a summa cum laude graduate of Yale University. He's fluent in three languages and speaks three more for good measure. And he's right here in Muskegon, Michigan. I don't think we truly realize how fortunate we are to have the West Shore Symphony Orchestra and the Frauenthal Theater right here in Muskegon. In addition to the symphony, there's an art museum, historical museum, civic theater, professional sports, all in downtown Muskegon. If you haven't been to the Frauenthal lately for an event, you owe it to yourself to make a commitment to check it out. It truly is a magnificent venue right here in the heart of Muskegon. Now, as we all know, the arts are important cultural cornerstones of any community, but one thing that impressed me was when Scott said just how important things like the arts and symphonies are to areas and how important they are to the business community and that Saks Fifth Avenue wouldn't locate in Birmingham, Alabama until the symphony came back. Once it did, they located a store there. These are the types of things that CEOs and executives are looking for in a community when they bring their business to an area like Muskegon. And it's great that we have the foundation here and things like the West Shore Symphony Orchestra, the Frauenthal, and everything that is going on downtown for people. As Scott said, though, the symphony is not just for the social elite, it's for everyday people. And it's just one more great example of something to try in Muskegon. In a town full of people that are always saying there's nothing to do in Muskegon, here's another great thing to do right in our area. Let's not take it for granted, though, because if we do, these arts and entertainment and cultural things won't be around for us and our children to appreciate. And that would truly be a shame. So challenge yourself to try something new. For more information on the West Shore Symphony Orchestra, including upcoming events and to purchase tickets, visit WSSO.org. I'm going to move on now to the listener feedback portion of the show. We got some great comments this week. Maybe it was the awarding of the first Inside Muskegon listener feedback prize, which is a $25 gift certificate to the Sardine Room that got people talking on the website. But we got some good comments from people, and I'm going to share a few of those with you right now. These comments were posted to the website after the interview with John Merchant from Dutch Henry. The first comment is, nice to see you interview just a normal guy, not a politician with an agenda. Great job, Jason and John. Well, thank you. I appreciate that comment. Our next one was from Andy in Muskegon. He says, always good to see new media coming along. And moreover, it's good to see someone take the initiative to start something both positive and forward thinking. Thank you very much, Andy. Appreciate that feedback. And now on to our last listener comment, which is the winner of the $25 Sardine Room gift certificate, as voted on by the Inside Muskegon staff. And the comment is from Tracy Lorenz of Muskegon Chronicle fame and a former guest on the Inside Muskegon podcast. And Tracy says, anyone who hasn't seen Dutch Henry live is truly missing out. In a town full of cover bands, Dutch Henry's original sound, music, and look set them apart. In all of Muskegon, there's exactly one guy I'm jealous of, and John Merchant is that guy. He's truly a gifted musician, as are all the members of Dutch Henry. Go see them before some label picks them up. Well, I can echo those comments, Tracy. 
Dutch Henry's music just got me all fired up all week after listening to the CD and being introduced to them. So um, get out there and check out Dutch Henry if they're at the Red Rooster or someplace in town when you have the chance. Again, next week, we'll give away another $25 gift certificate to one more of Muskegon's favorite restaurants, Topo's. As you know, there are two ways to leave feedback on the podcast. You can post a message to the website at InsideMuskegon.com or use the listener feedback voicemail at 231-354-2332. Be sure to include the 1231 and leave your name and city in the message. We'll award the Topo's gift certificate to what we feel is the best comment or voicemail. So be sure to get creative with your comments, and we'll look forward to checking them out. Now, if you have a Muskegon area business and you want to give away a prize on the podcast, please get in touch with me at jason at insidemuskegon.com. That brings us to the conclusion of episode number 15 of Inside Muskegon. For more information, visit our website at insidemuskegon.com. Inside Muskegon is produced by Jeremy Sear. For Inside Muskegon, I'm Jason Pisecki. Feedback is welcome at jason at insidemuskegon.com. This has been the Inside Muskegon Podcast. Comments are welcome through our website or by emailing jason at insidemuskegon.com.